this evening. There is another class that's going on in the annex. You'd prefer to be in an all-masked gathering. Maybe you're Batman or so. I don't know. If you are Batman, terrific. You would fit in in that class. I have several sick folks that I want to mention. And then Martha uh, Yates shared something with me I want to share with you. Um, on Facebook, she wrote this. And many of you, of course, have been concerned about David Yates. He's been in the hospital for quite a while, has had to endure several surgeries due to infection. But for the first time in three months, David was able to walk with therapy yesterday. I didn't walk very far, apparently, but walking is walking, isn't it? So we, we are very thankful for that. And thank you so much for your prayers on his behalf and their family. Uh, Kenzie McKinney, I don't know if you know her. Some of you are actually related to her. I know, think through the Coates family. Anyway, uh, she participates with a college class. I remember it's been about a year ago. Uh, we were over there with the college class and uh, that night she wanted to uh, obey the gospel. So we came over here and had a baptism uh, sweet girl. But anyway, yesterday she was in an automobile accident and that accident involved an 18 wheeler. I mean, it, it tore her car up very badly. Several people actually were out on the highway, I guess, and I saw that and there've been some pictures taken of it. Vehicle was devastated, but uh, here's the results. She has no broken bones, no brain bleeds, she does have several lacerations, which they had to staple. She was disoriented, but now she's more alert. And God's good, isn't he? So we're very thankful that despite the seriousness of the accident, that she's going to be okay. And then Roger Griffin, who he was a member here at Boonville for about 40 years, I understand, also an elder. Uh, he... He has an infection throughout his body, had to have surgery a couple of days ago, came through the surgery okay, it's recovering from that. I do not know an update beyond that. If someone has one, please share it. Well, okay then, that's what I know. So please remember the Griffin family. And then uh, this note from Martha, and you know, Martha and Marilyn uh, are involved with correspondence courses. They uh, do a lot of these with prisons, jails all over the place, both our local system, but just lots of different places. But they have personal correspondence occasionally. And Martha writes this, she says, I have two inmates doing the correspondence courses that have asked for special prayer. Octavius Harris has asked that we pray for him and his family. And their names are Dorothy and Chris Harris. He says they're a good family, but have had struggles to overcome. So we're praying for better days ahead. And then Sebastian Artis asked for prayers from the church so that he can learn more about our Lord and Savior. We're happy to pray about those things, aren't we? Yes. All right, so here's our plan. We're gonna sing a song together. Then we'll have our prayer. Remember these who are 
sick and recovering, and then we'll have prayers for these uh, two requests. Number 528. you don't think, oh, I'm free. I love this. I, I, I want you to love the life you're living now, but it, it does not compare. So one day we'll be freed from this. And this would be great, I guess, if it didn't have all these problems. But we're going to heaven, right? Very rousing. We are going to heaven. Yes, we are. Okay, let's pray and we'll remember our sick and uh, these two requests and we'll ask God to bless us in our study. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you so much for a great day today. Thank you for your many blessings. We pray your care on those who haven't had such a good day, those who are affected by recent storms, uh, the uh, heavy rains that have been falling in various places, the flooding that's occurred. We just pray that you'll help these people to recover and help us, Lord, to look for uh, opportunities to be a part of that recovery. We pray, Lord, for these people who are sick and some very, very ill. We're praying your blessings on them. We all know people right now who are still recovering from uh, the virus and uh, from, from all kinds of illnesses. And we're praying, Lord, that they'll recover quickly, get strong, and be back with us. Lord, we pray for those who uh, have endured a lot of, seems like, torture through the result of sickness like with David Yates and his infection, having to go through so much and experiencing 
untold pain, we're thankful that he seems to be making some progress. And we pray, Lord, you'll bless those who are tending to him, that they'll do exactly what's necessary to promote his healing. We also pray for Roger Griffin, who seems to have uh, some kind of similar situation with infection, at least. And we pray that what has been done for him is also going to contribute to his well-being and that he'll respond to treatments and, and do okay. We pray for Kenzie, who went through this terrible accident yesterday. And we're thankful, Father, that she did not sustain any worse injuries than she did. And we're thankful that you spared her life in that regard. We pray that she'll recover well with no long-lasting effects. Lord, we thank you for hearing our prayer on, in regard to so many, some of which are with us here tonight. And we just, we just can't hardly thank you enough. But then we turn around and we ask you for more. We're just so dependent, Lord, but you're very good to us and we're just a grateful people. I pray, Lord, that you'll be with us tonight as we are studying your word, especially as we're thinking about giving. And Lord, help us to understand the abundance that you provide in our lives continually. And help us not to take that for granted. We know of people that are experiencing circumstances the result of bad choices. And we're praying, Lord, that you as a God who gives forgiveness, mercy, we pray, Father, for those that are desirous of knowing your will, that they'll know it and benefit as we have from it. And I'm thankful for uh, people like Martha who are involved in teaching and uh, clearly she's touched the lives of at least two who are asking for our pleas on their behalf. And so we pray, Father, for the Harrises, especially for Dorothy and Chris. We pray you'll help them through the struggles that they face. And I'm sure it's especially difficult with Octavius away from them. I just pray, Lord, that the path he's chosen to know you, he'll stick with that. Not only will he know you, but he'll live for you. And I pray that'll impact his whole family. I also pray for uh, Sebastian Artist, who just wants to learn more. And I know the opportunity's there, uh, but it's one thing just to go through the process of learning some things that's one thing, to really know you as a benefit, a result of those studies, that's quite another. So I just pray that you'll help him to grasp what he's learning and make the transition from just knowledge to a greater wisdom and perception of you and your ways. We pray, Lord, you'll help us tonight that we'll also, in our study, be blessed 
as a result of what your word imparts to us. And we just couldn't be more grateful. Thank you for everything. We love you. And we know you loved us first. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Yes. Whoops, that's the wrong one. Well, while you're searching for that, I shall go on without you. It should be abundance for giving. Okay, so we're going to talk about abundance <laughs> and our giving. And I... I want to start with a text, and this text we're going to be referring back to several times through our study. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to initially look at the first five verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the first five verses. Who will read those verses for us. Okay, Jeremy. Now, Jeremy, since you have volunteered, <laughs> the addendum, the attachment, uh, what I would like you to do is to stay right there, and then as we go through, I'm going to ask you to read some of the verses again, okay? So you'll be our official, I wish we had like a hat or something, but you can be our official reader of our text for tonight, 2 Corinthians 8, the first five verses. Okay, please go ahead and read those for us. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own glory, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Okay, thank you so much. Isn't that good? He is a good choice. So thank you so much, Jeremy. Okay, so we, I told you last week that we're making a transition. We're going from the study that we had regarding stewardship into a specific study of giving. I felt like it was necessary in order to talk about stewardship so that when we talk about giving, that it isn't that study that oftentimes people loathe to be involved with. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest with you, a lot of times when the subject of giving comes up, there, there absolutely is not a strong, positive response to it. And I've heard when the matter of giving comes up, whether that's in a Bible study like this, or someone hears that the sermon for Sunday is going to deal with giving, immediately there are some negative reactions to that, like, that church, all they ever do is talk about giving. Or, here we go again, got their hand out wanting some more money. Blah, blah, blah. Something negative like that. Listen, this is not a study 
where we've got our hand out asking for anything. What this is, is a study not about obligation. This is going to be a study about opportunity. When it comes to giving, our response to the needs that exist in the church, and in particular, our mission of spreading the gospel throughout the whole world, does not come down to a bunch of browbeating and forcible uh, giving. It comes down to a desire that you have a congregation of people who love, who have a heart for souls, and who view themselves as stewards, who have within their hands either money or some other kind of resource, or they have great abilities, talents. They have something that they can use in order to accomplish the task, the work of God in their community. Now, what's interesting about that is that we often fail to recognize that the matter of giving is a spiritual endeavor. And when I say spiritual endeavor, I'm actually referring to something that he says just in a few verses later in this text that many times we don't dwell on. Paul is talking about the gathering up of funds from the Corinthian church that they had promised a year before. He uses the example of the Macedonian church, which was a very poor group of people who rose to the occasion and gave even when it wasn't perceived that they had anything to give. In verse 7 of this very chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul says that this, in fact, the matter of liberal giving is a grace that all of us should be growing in. Now, I want us to think about that for one second, and then we're going to expand on it as, as well as I know how. Giving isn't just an arbitrary act. It is not, we do not give simply because somebody says, well, we're passing the plate, you're obligated. Here's a passage of scripture says, you must do this on the first day of the week. Oh yeah, there's passages that do that for sure. But that should not be the motivation behind our giving. Our giving should be done because of the opportunity that there is to demonstrate our love. Now, whether that comes in the form of a weekly giving where those monies are used to support our general activities, whether that comes as a result of a special plea, a need that has arisen that needs to be met seemingly in, in a sort of immediate way, however that thing comes down. Maybe it's you personally. You see a need that exists. You want to meet that. However it is that we give or we express giving doesn't matter. It comes down to the matter of the heart of the person who is the giver. So please appreciate what he says right here in verse 7, that this is a grace. Okay, so it's one of those conduit items, right? Where is it that you received what you have? Where'd you get that? Can it came from God. Yes, it did. 
So it came to you, you have become a steward of that resource, and now you become the means through which God is blessing or extending his grace to somebody else. But as it's become a part of your activity as a Christian, it's also become in your life a grace. So it's a mechanism through which you are able to act spiritually. It isn't just simply writing a check or mindlessly tossing some money in a collection plate. It is way bigger than that. It is an exercise of your spiritual person through the giving of some material thing to be used to God's glory. So I'm wanting us in this study to basically be asking one question. And that is how it is that we know we are growing in this grace, right? I may say, well, Ken, I, I, I give all the time. Uh, okay, peace, great. But he says we should be growing in this grace. So how is it I know that I am growing? I want to look at three things that actually come right out of this text here that are prompts. You, you, should, you should be able to pretty quickly ascertain within yourself whether these things are a part of your giving or not. One would be joy. So when you give, you are filled with joy. The other is a willingness. I'm not doing it because somebody's making me do it. I want to do it. I'm excited about doing it. And then finally, simply the desire. I have within me that instinct, that, that push to want to do it. And it seems like there isn't anything that can get in the way of it. I don't feel selfish. I just want to be involved. That's the idea. Okay, let's talk about joy to begin with. Okay, so Jeremy, would you please read verse 2 again for us? For in severe tests of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Okay, I, I want you to... I want you to see this. I'm, I'm going to, well, I'm not a mathematician. I married a mathematician. So, you know, that's kind of like that commercial says, well, you know, I stayed in a Holiday Inn Express last night. It doesn't make, doesn't make me a math expert, but this text just kind of lends itself to a kind of equation. So he says, abundance of joy plus deep poverty results in or equals an abounding liberality. Now, I'm using the terms out of my translation, the New King James translation. You can look at your text. You'll see the same equation. Now, back up from that, and then you're scratching your head going, what? That, that on the surface, doesn't really make any sense. Okay, let's back up. Abounding joy that is coupled with a deep poverty will result in an abounding liberality. Ken, he said they're in a deep poverty, so how could they be liberal in their giving? Well, they're able to be liberal in their giving despite their deep poverty because they are filled with an abounding what? Joy, J-O-Y. Now, I want us to get out of our mind the idea 
that he is talking about a quantity. You notice he doesn't come along and say, well, now, you know, that church in Macedonia, amazing. They gave $50 million to the relief project in Jerusalem and surrounding Judea. He doesn't even give a figure. There's a reason for that. Neither does he say, now you Corinthians, you remember you said you were going to do such and such. He doesn't say what that was. And the comparisons that he makes is not on the basis of how much they give compared to how much you give. It has to do with something much more important. It isn't the quantity of what is given. It is the sacrifice that is associated with the gift. Now that kind of makes a little more sense, right? The abundance of the joy that we have. I just, you know what? I want to give. When you couple that with having practically nothing, then what you end up giving goes beyond what you could have ever imagined giving. An abounding liberality. Let's use an Old Testament example. Jeremy, you are excluded from this because you have a special responsibility. In our minds, you're wearing the hat. Somebody make us a hat. Uh, I don't know. That'd be cool. It's a very nice hat. Okay. Um, who will read for us Exodus chapter 35 and verse 5? Exodus 35 and verse 5. So while you're, while you're getting that, I will say, you know... When the children of Israel left the land of Goshen, they did not go empty-handed. Those Egyptians loaded them down with all kinds of supplies. One might beg to question, well, with all those supplies and gold and precious things, what on earth were they going to do with it? Because they're not supposed to intermingle with those nations around them. They're warring constantly. They really stay to themselves. So it's not like I'm going to get this. Boy, look at all the gold I've got. I'm rich. It's, you know, what that amounts to is now more weight to carry around. So I've got stuff, man, material things. I'm rich as far as the world considers it. But now I've got this I'm carrying around with me. What, what am I going to do with all of that? Some had more than others. Just, you know, just stuff. But there was a need that arose. We got to have the things so that we can provide the implements that are necessary for the construction of the tabernacle. And ultimately, by the end of this book, we are stationed there at Mount Sinai. We've got the tabernacle and things are going great. Okay, so Exodus 35 verse 5. Who has that text? Yes, please read that. Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. Okay, you can stop. Whoever is of a what? Whoever is of a willing heart. Okay, he does not say, everybody listen up. Everybody must give X. No, he doesn't say that. Now, this, this is important for all of you. This is important for your 
for the whole group of us, all of us Israelites, here we are. We're going to, you know, we're going to get busy worshiping God. We've got to have the raw materials in order to fashion everything that's necessary for the worship of God. God's been very specific. We've got to have those so that we can use the specially uh, gifted artisans who are going to put this stuff together. It's going to be amazing. However, we need the supplies. So whoever is of a willing heart, we want you to give it. <laughs> well, okay, I I'll tell you what. Now, when you go option like that, if you're a leader and you are uncertain, especially if it's a big figure, you're like, oh man, is there not some way we can put the pressure on, right? How can we, no, not Moses. Moses makes the plea. Those with a willing heart, okay? Now, okay, you're still in that Flip the page over to chapter 36 and read verses 6 and 7 for us. Oh no, did you turn away from me? You never know. never know what I'm going to do. Exodus 36, 6 and 7. Moses gave a commandment and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the the people were restrained from bringing, the material they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, too much. Are you shocked? How many elders do we have in here? Just raise you. One. Okay. Buster. We make a plea to the church. We want, you know, contribution, blah, blah, blah. People give and... You have to say to the congregation, don't faint now. You have to say to the congregation, please stop giving. Because not only do we have enough, we have too much. Have you, Buster, have you ever had to do that? Never. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think, have I ever been anywhere where an eldership got up and said, please stop. We have way too much. Okay, whoever's willing, please give. This is going to specifically involve uh, those things that are going to contribute to our worship. And they start giving, and they give, and they give. We want to be a part of this. We, we, feel, we feel a sense of joy in response to this. And he actually has to say, please stop. Please stop. I'm afraid that we sometimes rob ourselves of the joy of giving because we don't look at it from the standpoint of a willing heart. Here's an opportunity for me to do something for the Lord's benefit, you know, to glorify God. I can do this and it will benefit God specifically. That's an opportunity to exercise my stewardship. God's put something in my hands. Man, I don't want that sitting around. I want to use it. I want to bless God with this. And there was the mind of the people. I have it. They need it. I'm giving it. That is, that is a joy to serve. But sometimes we feel 
Not a sense of opportunity, but a sense of obligation. I have to do it. And in the having to do it, it's not, not as much joy. It's not a feeling that I give it because I decided to do it. I, I'm, I'm giving it because now I feel like I, I have to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm compelled to do it. Now, Jeremy, read for us again verse 5 of this text. And this honestly expected that they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Okay, so he says basically the same about the Macedonian church. He says they, did, they didn't give like we thought, here's what they did first. They, they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. I think that's significant, right? It wasn't just, I, you know, here's, progress, here's a project, here's a need. Let's give some money toward it. They had a right mentality to begin with. Now, when you give yourself to the Lord, they first gave themselves to the Lord. The first thing, when the plea, when the need was identified, the very first thing they did was think about their relationship with the Lord. Look at, somebody look up Luke chapter 14 and verse 33. Luke 14, verse 33. In the context of this passage, you're talking about, okay, I want to follow the Lord, but I'm going to have to count the cost. Now, question, what is it going to cost me? He goes through a few scenarios about literal situations where if you didn't really count the cost, you would have experienced failure. And as a result of that, you know, that, that just goes directly to the fact that you didn't sit down to begin with and think this thing through. Now, somebody says, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Okay, here's what we do. We have Bible studies, right? And we emphasize the fact that they're lost. Your sin is going to cause you to be separated from God. And then you want to go to heaven, don't you? Yeah, I want to go to heaven. Well, you can't go to heaven unless you have those sins. Which way? Okay, yeah. So you want to go to heaven, right? You know, if you obey the gospel, you go to heaven. And I'm thinking, yeah, I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. Without really exploring the kind of commitment that Jesus is expecting of that person who is yielding himself. Now, how far is Jesus expecting me to yield myself? What is it that is going to cost me to be a disciple of Jesus? Who has that text? Luke 14, 33. Okay, Marilyn. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has. If you don't forsake all that you have, you can't be my disciple. Now, this goes back to our stewardship discussion and the whole matter of question. Who owns everything? Okay, God does. You have become a possessor in the sense that God has put something or some things in your hand. Now you're responsible. As a faithful steward, you're going to act in ways related to what he's put in your hands in ways that he's going to be pleased with. So when the call goes out for you to act, you're going to respond. Okay. 
Count the cost, he says. If you don't forsake all that you have, you can't be my disciple. Now, he's not saying, well, take all that you have and kick it to the curb. No, but your responsibility over what you have. In the sense that this is not mine. This is yours, Lord. When I was outside of you, I believed I was the owner of all these things. Now, if I become your disciple, I am forfeiting all of this in order to serve you. That doesn't mean it left your possession. You're still a steward over those things. But now you have become... You have become the steward of the Lord in the sense that when the need arises, I'm going to act on his behalf. I'm going to be a faithful steward in that in that regard. Okay, how am I motivated? How do I act? Well, seems to me that the way we act is out of the standpoint of love. What does Acts chapter 20 and verse 35 say? You remember that one? It's actually a quotation of Jesus, just kind of out of time. Paul's making that quote. Okay, yeah, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, see, most people, you hear that, they're like, yeah, you know, feels pretty good to receive, though. Feels pretty good. And I'll say, that's true. When you are on the receiving end, and that's a blessing directed toward you, absolutely. Does that fill you with joy? I've I've got something on the pew right there someone gave us tonight. And you know what happened as soon as I received it? I started smiling. I mean, I just feel the joy about that. It, It does feel good to receive something. But he says, as much as that feels good, actually... It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, let's back up from that for a minute. To give. That means I'm I'm letting go of something of myself to someone else. Um, What is love, by the way? I mentioned that this is an expression of of love. Uh, Isn't that it? it? When I love someone, I'm not neglecting them. I'm giving of myself to the other person. In fact, the whole idea of agape is I'm going to care for you. And then what is my expectation of you? Nothing. I'm giving because I'm, I'm loving. I'm not expecting you to love me back. You may not. In fact, I can even love my enemies. I can direct my care and concern for them, even when they don't respond back to me. In fact, Jesus you know, and Matthew chapter 5 goes so far as to say, you know what, if, if you expect people to love you like you love them, that's no more than the tax collectors do, right? That's no more than the, the heathens that are out there who are in expectation. If I do something good for you, you better do something back for me or you're out, right? We're going to break this relationship. This indebted, this sense of indebtedness. For us, we give with no expectation of anything in return. So our desire is to love that person. He says it's more blessed to do that than it is to be on the receiving end. So I wonder now, wait, if, if, I, if I act that way, first of all, I'm satisfying this, 
this relationship that I'm in with the Lord. I'm His steward. And so when I give to a need that arises, I have peace about that, right? I don't lie awake at night uh, thinking, wait a minute, opportunity came, I didn't act. Boy, the Lord must be really mad at me. <laughs> I don't have to think that way because I am exercising my role as a steward. So, so I, I definitely have peace. And, you know, also when you do that, you have the memory of it. Now, I don't know about you, but when I get older, <laughs> I want to be able to sit back and think about the positive things in a reflection of a life. Wouldn't you want to do that? I don't want to have to sit back someday grieving over lost opportunities. So when the opportunity arises and you act, someday, someday when maybe you're not able to act as quickly or to respond as you can now in your youthfulness, you'll be able to look back on that. And what would that fill you with? J-O-Y. Knowing that you had served the Lord to the fullest, uh, to the best of your ability. And then I'm also thinking future-wise because he does literally say it's more blessed to give. And there is a literal statement about that. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Absolutely. Luther knows it. <laughs> That's one of my... It's not my... Ask me what my favorite verse of Scripture is. I don't know what to tell you because I, I love them all. I really do. Um, but this is a great one because he says, Give and it will be given to you. But this way. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be put into your bosom. For with what measure you use... It'll be measured back to you. Okay, now there is a, a very literal description of the blessing that comes. When I, when I become the agent of blessing in the life of another person, I, I should not have the mentality, well, there I went. You know, I, I'm depleted. What does the Lord say about that? Oftentimes he says, do not, and it starts with a W and ends with a Y. Do not worry. Do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, uh, nor what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? What matters? The physical, the spiritual. The spiritual, right? So I want to be spiritually conditioned to act as a steward on the Lord's behalf. It's His stuff. I want to be the conduit through which those things flow. And when that happens, then I become a part of a great mechanism of the Lord. So now he says, not only is it just some, some of those uh, incidents, uh, incidental things that come as a result of you acting, but I'm telling you, as it goes out from you, I'm still bringing it. And notice that as well. Did he say, I'm just restoring it as it was? No, good measure, press down. And when you press something down, what are you doing? You know, you're making more room, right? It, it had air and pushing the air out of it to get, so I can get more in it. Press down, shaking together. You, you ever buy bags of potato chips? How big that bag is? Uh, let me, you're practically buying a bag of air 
that has some chips in it, right? Now they will tell you, oh, now you know, when we first packaged it, it was all tight in there. And then it's just a little settling may occur. Yeah, really, a little settling. So about half the bag is chips and the rest of it's air. He says, don't, don't think about that. Not with God, because God is filling it up. But to the overflowing. Now, that takes us back to our initial statement, right? From verse 2 of our text. This abundance of joy, when it's coupled with deep poverty, what will it bring about? An abounding, literally an overflowing liberality. You cannot ever, not as a steward of God, you cannot ever outgive God. And I wish somehow or other that he could pack in the minutes like he does with that. Unfortunately, it's time for us to quit. So, we're going to stop right here, okay, and we'll continue. Uh, next time, we'll talk about not just the joy, we'll talk about our willingness, and then finally, the great desire that we should have as we are givers in the kingdom of God. Let's have a prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for the occasion we could be together and, and think about these matters. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us the way that you do, and I pray that you will give us more and more opportunities to serve you in the capacity of giving or we're your stewards, and we want to be active as stewards. So bless us so that we can bless others and bring glory and honor to you. We pray, Lord, that you will instruct us in these things and touch our hearts. Help us, Lord, when we give to do so out of the sense of the opportunity and love for others, and not simply as an obligation. Thank you for helping us in these things and for all that you'll do as a result of our developing knowledge. Uh, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.